Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us. Today's series is Dangerous Prayers, Part 1, Search Me. When I was at college at Mid-American Nazarene University, um, we had a a group of students uh, on campus that were super hippie. Um, We called them the Breakfast Club. And I didn't come up with that name. Darren did. Uh, Darren, where our basis was my roommate. And many of people who are here attended Mid-American Nazarene University. And uh, we called them the Breakfast Club. And, I mean, I'm being generous. I mean, they, they, we call them hippies because, number one, they had a garden in the back that they grew and took care of, which there's nothing wrong with having a garden. Um, they also wore flannel all the time, and, which is not a big deal. Wear flannel. I'm wearing flannel. Um, but then one thing that they did that really makes them a hippie is they wore glasses that were not prescription glasses, you know, like just the frames. I don't know when it was became cool to like look like you have a handicap all of a sudden. Like I'm actually nearsighted, you know what I mean? It's like, and then people who like wear glasses with no prescription or no lens in them, I'm like, that's like me walking around with a cane and acting like my leg doesn't work, you know what I mean? Like when did that become cool? I mean, like I don't think it's funny, you know, but anyway, but that's, that was them. And, but the other thing that made them very hippie-ish is they had um, a band together. And one of the instruments in the band was somebody played the glasses. The glasses, they, they had glasses full of water, and, and a guy would stick his finger in the glass and rub the rim of the glass to make a sound like. Okay, see what I'm saying? Okay, so they were gardening, flannel-wearing, fake glasses hippies that played water and glasses, okay? So that's the kind of situation I'm dealing with. So they were the hippies of the campus, and they had a band, and we had chapel on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And so their band got asked to lead worship uh, one week for chapel. And oddly enough, in a weird way, I don't know how it happened because they hated me, I got asked to play drums for them. And so I'm like, okay, I, whatever. There's too many people playing the glasses and the shoes. I guess somebody has to, has to play an instrument. So I went and I rehearsed with them and we practiced and we went to chapel. And so it's, you know, 10 minutes before chapel. And so me and the band, they said, we ought to go pray. So a lot of bands, you know, before service, like we'd go in the back and we'd find a back room, we'd get in a circle and we'd pray together. And so we go back there and we're going to pray. And one of the pre- people that are, you know, a part of this group, they, they, they speak up and they go, you know what would be so nice, guys, before we lead worship? And this is their hippie voice. This is me being a hippie. Um, what would be so nice as we pray before we lead worship is if we would just go around the circle and, and thank God for our favorite tree. Let's just go around the circle and just thank God for our favorite tree. And so somebody goes and he goes, God... Thank you for the oak tree. It's so, so mighty and strong, and it's tall, and it's just, it's solid. And the, 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 when, the, when the leaves change, I just thank you for the oak. Thank you for the oak tree, Lord. And then this next girl goes, and she's like, God, thank you for the fern tree. I love when the wind makes it just sway. I love the way that the fern tree sways in the wind. And when you blow on the tree, Jesus, when you blow on the fern tree, I love how wiggle. She's wiggling her hips, too, the whole time. She's praying. I could feel it. I was holding her hand. I could feel the wiggle of her hips. And she's just praying. So the oak tree's been prayed for. The fern tree's been prayed for. And I'm up next. And you know how I am now. Think of when I was immature, okay? <laughs> Amen. So it comes up to me, all right? It comes up to me, and we all got our eyes closed. There's like 15 of us standing in a circle, and it's up to me. And I go, 
Dear baby Jesus, thank you for those trees that those Keebler elves live in. Lord, I pray for their safety, as it was not a smart idea to put a bakery inside of a flammable tree. I specifically pray for the oh-so-delicious fudge cookie that that Keebler elves make. Lord, would you help them to be sweet and full of thick, chocolatey goodness. And as I eat them, would you help me not to gain a pound, Lord? So please protect the trees that the Keebler elves live in. And I open my eyes, and everybody's eyes are open, and everybody's looking at me. (laughs) Apparently, they didn't think that was too funny. And there's like 10 more people that need to come up with trees to thank God for. And the leader just looks at me and goes, all right, amen, let's go. And we just walked out. Now, here's the thing. By the way, no, I did not ever get invited to play with them again. And I got kicked out of garden club. But anyway, you know, here's the thing. Why did I do that? Number one, because it was stinking hilarious. I love telling that story. Number two, because that was a stupid prayer. That was the dumbest prayer I've ever heard. Are you kidding me? We're about ready to go out and talk to the creator of the universe. We're about to worship our God. We're about to worship the king of kings. We're about to connect with him. And we have this opportunity to gather together with our other brothers and sisters in Christ and pray and thank God. And what do we do? We talk to him about trees. Are you kidding me about fern trees? So yeah, I'm going to mock your stupid prayer. Come on. I mean, here's the thing. I remember whenever I was in college dating Kate. You guys remember cell phone plans with limited minutes? You know, remember that? I was on the 20-minute-a-month cell phone plan. As long as we had the same carrier, unlimited minutes after 9 o'clock, right? But Kate and I, we had limited minutes, limited opportunity to talk to each other. So, I mean, those 20 minutes, I didn't waste those 20 minutes. Every time I got to talk to Kate on the phone, we were dating. Do you think I stopped and talked to her about my favorite stinking tree? No. I whispered sweet nothings into her ear. I told her that I was in the gym and I was working out and I was, you know, trying to do the whole thing, right? I didn't talk to her about trees, Unless that would have worked, then I would have talked to you about trees. You know, if you were like a tree enthusiast, I would have talked to you about trees all day. But anyway, I wouldn't have done that because why? I'm not going to waste my time talking about that. And it's the same with God. How often do we waste our prayer, waste our opportunity? When we get this awesome opportunity to connect with God and talk to God, we play these safe, non-important, shallow prayers You know, prayer is something that shouldn't be just taken lightly. It shouldn't be something that we pointlessly waste. If you look at at what Philip Yancey said about prayer, he had this great quote in his book called Prayer, if you want to look it up. He says, the main purpose of prayer is not to make life easier, nor to gain magical powers, but to grow closer to God. To grow closer to God. We have this awesome opportunity to grow closer to God. The thing is, is about when we pray, the main point of prayer is it to make our lives any easier. You know, so many times we pray to God and we pray these prayers like he's this genie, you know? We pray these prayers and we're like, God, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I want to, want to, want to, want to, okay? And then we're thinking that God is like this genie in the bottle that we just got to rub the right way. 
By the way, if you're playing Bastor, Pastor Bingo, that's a Christina Aguilera and a Spice Girls reference. You're three slots away from getting a bingo. But how many of us, we pray that prayer. God, here's what I want. Here's what I need. And we pray these safe prayers. We pray these prayers that I think even God sometimes looks at and goes, what you talking about? You know, when we pray before our meal and we go, God, bless this food to our body. You know, God, thank you so much. And God's looking at it going, it's Taco Bell. I can't bless that to your body. I mean, I've performed some miracles before. I've defeated death. But Taco Bell is much further than that. I don't know. You're asking for a lot now. I mean, come on. We pray these ridiculous prayers. And Philip Yancey nailed it on the head. The whole point is to grow closer to God. Here's the thing that happens when we pray. God's desire for you is to make you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And when we pray, he's waiting for you to respond because, you know, God doesn't make you do this. It's not an evil game of monopoly going on. You have free will. You have a choice. And so God is waiting for you to agree with him and say, God, I want what you desire for me. And I'm giving you permission. I'm opening the door. I'm letting you in. I want to connect with you. I want to talk to you. I want to grow with you. God, will you meet me here? And will you do the work that you want to do? That is what God is interested in. Making you into that image of his son, Jesus Christ. So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at some dangerous prayers. We're going to leave the shallow end of the pool. We're going to go into the deep end. And we're going to look at three dangerous prayers that I want you to start to pray. And if you're not a believer, or if you're new at this whole thing, or if somebody drug you to church, or you're watching this online, and you're unsure about this, I want you to just listen. I want you to just lean in. I want you to hear some of the stories that I have to share, and other people have to share, of what happened when they prayed a dangerous prayer. Because I believe that what you want, and what I want, and what God wants are really all the same thing, a fulfilled, purposeful life. And I believe that praying these dangerous prayers can get us closer to that life that not only we desire, but that God desires for us. And so with these dangerous prayers, though, I want to put a warning at the very beginning of this. I want to caution you, because when you pray these dangerous prayers, you will get tested. Things will be revealed to you that you didn't even know were there. You are opening up the closet that is unorganized, that is a mess, that you have tried to just hide from people, and it is about to open up. And I guarantee you, I promise you, I tell people this all the time, when things are even going well in the church, I always tell my leaders and the people around me, look out, because that means we're going to get attacked by Satan. Because anytime we put ourselves in the position we're in the middle of God's will, Satan puts a target on our backs. And he goes, oh, you think you're good. Oh, you think you're strong. Oh, you think you can handle this. Well, let me throw some, let me throw some things at you. Let me see how you handle this. Let me give you these distractions. Let me test your marriage. Let me test your relationships. Let me take your job from you. Let me throw this in the, in the mix. And that's what Satan does. And so I want, I want you to be very, very careful. If you're going to pray this prayer, you've got to take this seriously. You have to take this seriously because it's dangerous. And so the first prayer that we're going to talk about today is a prayer that David prayed, and it's, search me, God. Search me, God. Everybody say that with me. Ready? Search me, God. This is the prayer that David prayed, King David. If you don't know anything about David, I'll give you a quick run for it. Most of you know, if nothing else, you know probably the story of David and Goliath, right? And if you remember David and Goliath, David was protecting King Saul. 
He was defending him, and King Saul loved him, and as long as it kind of worked for him, was a big fan of David. Well, then David started to get pretty popular. David started to rise up a little bit, and so King Saul actually turned on David, and all of a sudden, David was on the run. He was on the run for his life. Everyone wanted to hurt him. Everybody wanted to murder him. There was a bounty on his head. And so we believe that David wrote this prayer while in hiding, while on the run from King Saul. And if you don't know anything about the Old Testament, if you look at the Old Testament, you know that first section of your Bible, you'll see the Psalms. And the Psalms were written by David. It's really a look at a man's prayer journal. And so we believe that David wrote this down as a prayer and at one point in time passed it on to family or kin or friends. And so he writes this specific prayer and he says, search me, God. And this is, this is what he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Search me, God, and know my heart. Now think about this for just a minute. Why in the world would David, in the middle of what he's in the middle of, stop and pray for God to search his heart? Why would he do that? Why would he, why would he want God to search his heart? I mean, why wouldn't he pray, dear God, keep me out of danger Dear God, keep me safe. Dear God, would you get my enemies? Dear God, they're after me. Please, please, please. But he doesn't pray for his safety. Instead, he prays for his heart. Now, why does he do that? It's because David realized what was really on the line. And this is such an important lesson that every single one of us need to learn. Was his physical well-being at risk? Yes. But what was more at risk? David's heart. David knew, he was like, look, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be judged on whether how long I stayed alive or how well I was. What I'm going to be judged on is the condition of my heart. And David knew that right now he was in the midst of, of a situation that was unfair, unjust, it wasn't right. And in the midst of that, he knew that in his heart he was growing angry. He was becoming upset. And that anger he was worried was damaging the condition of his heart. Just before, again, in this journal that is known to us as the book of Psalms, he said this in Psalm 19. He said, if only God would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty, I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them as my enemies. So he's dealing with this situation. He's going, I hate these people. They're wicked. I wish God would just get them because this isn't fair and this isn't right. And how many times have you been in that situation? Something going on at work. Something going on with your friends, something going on with your family, and you're like, oh God, if you would just, like, not kill them, but just, like, hurt them a little, you know? Like, God, like, don't, like, strike them with lightning, but, like, maybe, like, they just, like, get rear-ended today. I don't know. You know, just something, God, because it's unfair, and it's unjust, and this isn't right, and I just wish something bad would happen to them. Right there, we've all been there. We've all dealt with that tension. And right there, in that moment, when we go there, you know what happens? The devil's ears perk up. And he goes, oh, somebody wants revenge. Someone's angry. Someone's upset. Oh, I could, I could help with that. Because there's nothing that the devil likes more than for us to break the command of loving our neighbor the same way that Christ has loved us. And so when he sees an opportunity for us to have conflict, when he sees an opportunity for us to send hateful text messages to each other, or evil emails, or to call each other out, or to gossip behind each other and tear down one another's reputation, whoa, when he sees uh, the opportunity for us to do that and to break the covenant we have with Christ, well, he loves it. He turns his attention. And David knew that. 
David knew that, and he's praying to God, God, search my heart. If there's any evil in me, please let me know. Search my heart, God. And see, because here's the thing that, that David knew. He knew something very, very important that we all have to deal with, is that you have a bad heart. See, cl- classic question that I you know, always like to talk about with people is kind of something fun. Do you think that people are naturally good or naturally evil? And you don't have to answer that, but here's the right answer. People are naturally evil. That's not my answer. That's just not my philosophy. I'm telling you that that's what the Word of God tells us. That people are naturally, instinctually selfish. I mean, and if you disagree with that or you think I'm wrong, then, I mean, did you ever have to teach your kid, did you ever have to teach your two-year-old how to be selfish? (laughs) No, did you? You had to teach them the opposite of that. Because even as babies and toddlers and kids, what do we have to do? We have to teach them how to share. We have to teach them how to be generous. We have to teach them how to be loving. You don't have to teach selfishness or hate or revenge to a kid. Because it's what it's already naturally inside of us. Even the prophet Jeremiah in 650 B.C. during the reign of King Josiah, God sent Jeremiah to send a message to the Israelites who were in exile. And he he tells them this about the condition of the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah was sending a message very clearly to the Israelites, and it's why it's there for us to read today, because this fact has not changed. We are naturally selfish individuals. Your default is to do what is best for you. And so David, he stops and he recognizes this about himself and he believes that. And he goes, God, would you search my heart? Because he knows what sometimes we forget is that the heart is deceiving. The heart is deceitful. And it can trick us so many times into allowing things into our life that aren't holy, that aren't anything like Christ, that don't match up with anything that Christ taught. We can so easily rationalize in our hearts that it's okay to gossip. We can rationalize in our hearts that it's just porn or it's just sex. We can rationalize in our heart that it's not gambling, it's just playing a game. We can rationalize in our hearts that we don't use food as a comfort, we just like to eat a lot, and God just made some of us with a little bit more to love. We can rationalize so many times that, you know, it's, it's just a cigarette and everybody's got something and nobody's perfect. Our hearts so many times can rationalize so much. And make us think that this is okay. That, that this doesn't need to go away. That, that this is just going to be my thing. And that is just one marker on the road to destruction. One marker on the road to destroying a marriage or destroying a relationship with a child. One marker of, of, of ruining a career. Thinking and deceiving ourselves into something evil. That something evil is okay. And so David, he stops and he prays this prayer and he says, Father God, would you search me? Would you know my heart? Would you reveal anything that's not supposed to be there? And the thing is, is that instead of simply asking God to do something for you, what we need to do is we need to ask God to reveal something to you. Reveal something that's not supposed to be there. Allow him to check underneath the hood and to look and to see if there's anything that's not running properly. And then he goes on, and he says this. He says, so search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
David knew that in the midst of this terrible situation, that he was fearful, that he was anxious, that he had anxious, fearful thoughts. And so he stops and he prays this prayer, God, show me the fears that are holding my mind hostage. And that's exactly what it feels like, right? When you're anxious, when you're fearful, it it feels like your mind is being held hostage. When you're in that point, man, it, it, it's, it's terrible. I, I tell you what, I've told you, I, you know, I deal with anxiety. I've had a, an anxiety attack before, and I've realized in my own life I, I have two big fears. One of those fears is I, I have a fear of missing out. I just, I love, I love moments, I love experiences, I have this fear inside of me of missing out on an opportunity or an experience, but the other thing is, I, I have a fear of disappointing people, and so sure enough, you know, we just had trunk or treat a couple weeks ago, and it was a really weird, weird year with, with COVID, and we had to do everything different and everything else, and so, you know, this, this is what always happens to me, a week before the event, you know, like we're five days away, and I just immediately, what I always do inside of myself is I just think of something's going to go wrong, and I'm going to miss this event. I'm not going to be able to be there. So here it is. It was like four days before trunk or treat, and I'm like, you know, I have a cough, and I'm like, oh, I got COVID. You know, I'm just automatically like, you know, like I got COVID. That's it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss trunk or treat. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be out, and Pastor Carrie's going to have to run it. Oh, she's going to hate me for that. That's not going to go well, and oh, she's going to be so mad at me, and it's just the, 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 the event is going to go terrible, and I'm not going to be able to be there. And so sure enough, you know, it, Kate calls me one, one day, the day that my mind's kind of running, and she's like, hey, how are you doing? And I, and I immediately recognize it. And I was like, Kate, I'm doing that thing I do. I'm doing that thing. In my head, I'm thinking of things that aren't even real yet, and I'm thinking I'm going to be sick, and I'm going to get sick, and I'm going to miss the event, and I'm just I'm running these things through my head. And, you know, I, and I, I've done that so many times, more times than I can count. Anytime there's like a big event or something we're doing for church, that's always what I put myself through. And I hate it because then once we get to the event and everything goes fine and nothing goes wrong and everything, I, I, I don't even enjoy it because I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired because I was so amped up. I was so anxious. I was so fearful on the way to the event that when I actually get there, I'm just, I'm a wreck and I'm tired because I've worked myself up so much. Now, here's the thing. I could easily deceive myself and go, well, I'm anxious. A lot of people are anxious. A lot of people deal with anxiety. A lot of people are fearful. And just chalk it up to, well, that's who I am. And deceive myself. But the thing I've learned to do in my own life, much like Paul, who, you know, if you remember the words of Paul, he prayed to God. He said he had a thorn in his side. And he said he prayed again and again and again for God to take it away. And God wouldn't do it. I've learned through prayer to pray a dangerous prayer. And to pray, God, would you search me and would you go through my anxious thoughts where you show me where I am being fearful and here's at least what God has revealed to me God has revealed to me that in those moments when I'm fearful and when I'm anxious specifically with stuff with church I'm actually being selfish that when I'm doing that and I'm having those thoughts what I'm actually saying without saying it is that I'm the glue that holds this place together That the event can't go on without me. That if I'm not there, it's just going to be a train wreck and it's going to be terrible. Because for some reason, I think that I'm the glue that holds trunk or treat together. 
And the thing I realize is that couldn't be further from the truth because God is in charge and you are all fully capable and we have so many fantastic leaders and staff. And the thing is, is that when I'm fearful and I'm anxious and I think it's going to go poorly because I'm not there, I'm actually being self-centered and that is a sin. And so I've had to tell God, God, forgive me of that. I apologize for that. And I, and I stop in, in the midst of that week when I was going through that and after I talked to Kate and I recognized I know what I'm doing. I'm doing the thing I always do. I stopped and I prayed to God and I said, God, would you please take away this thought inside my head that makes me think that I am the glue that holds this place together. God, forgive me for thinking, being so self-centered of thinking that this cannot go on without me. God, whether I am really sick or I'm not, I know that you are in charge and I know that this this is going to go off well because, because you are the God and you are the King of Kings. And you know what? That helped me get to that event. And even and when we were at that event, you know, I mean, it was, it was a new thing. We tried new things. We tried to use cupcake liners and stuff, and that didn't work. We found out really quickly. And you know what? It didn't bother me. Typically it would, but it didn't bother me. Because you know what? I knew that God was bigger than cupcake liners. That God was bigger than COVID. That God was bigger than anything that anybody was going to throw at us. Let me ask you something. Is there an area of your life where you're fearful, where you're anxious, where you have your mind being held hostage by thoughts that aren't even a reality yet? What does that mean to you? What does that say to you? Is, is there an area of your life where you ha have lost faith in God, that God is bigger than what you're going through or what you may go through? Is there an area of your life that maybe you need to surrender over to God because I know that my anxiety is, is part of who I am and it's going to come up. But when it comes up, I don't want to just fall into that pit and wait for it to pass. I want to be able to combat it. And the way that I've chosen to combat it is through prayer and faith with God. You know, if there's an area of your life where that fear tends to pop up, maybe that's an area of your life where you need to grow. Maybe that's an area of life where you need to trust God a little bit more. And the thing that we all need to come to, to terms with and understand about faith is, is this, is that faith doesn't mean you don't get afraid. It means you, you don't let fear stop you. Faith is about persevering. I know for me, there's never going to be a, a time in, in my life unless God completely heals me of it that, that I'm just not going to be anxious. But I don't want to let that fear stop me from enjoying these moments and these experiences and these times with you of ministry. I don't want it to let make, make me have an awful week before the event even happens. We have to stop and we have to sit, pray the same prayer that David prayed. God, know my anxious thoughts and test them. And then David says this. He says, and, and see if there's any offensive way in me. He stops and, again, he's so concerned with the condition of his heart. He goes, God, would you, would you stop and would you see if there's any offensiveness in me, any offensive way in me. You know, we're really, we're really bad about this. Even my kids are. When I get on to my two kids, Brayden and Olivia, before I can even stop them and get on to one of them or punish anybody, they're like, I didn't do it. You know, that's their excuse. Like, I'll hear them doing something. I'll hear a, a slap or a cry or something or a slamming of the door. And I'm like, Olivia, Brayden. And that's the first thing here. I didn't do it. You know, and then I'll call them and they'll come and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll give their case, you know, and they'll, they'll give their case. I didn't do anything wrong. It was his fault. And he'll give his, it, it was, not, I didn't mean, it, it was her fault. I, I was just defending myself. Well, she hit me first. Well, he did this first. You know, and we do that even as adults. Adults are just the same thing. How many times do we uh, 
chalk it up to, well, I was just defending myself. Well, they, they started it. Well, I had to do that. We, there's so many offensive actions that, that we do on a daily basis that, again, our hearts deceive us. Our hearts make us think there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay to do. But David, he was so concerned with the condition of his heart, he stopped and goes, God, would you check my heart? And if there's any offensive thing in me, check me and let me know. God, tell me if there's any offensive thing in in me. If there's anything in me, I want to deal with it. I want to handle it. I don't want to excuse it. You know, I, throughout my life and, and in this book, I've, I've seen this before. Craig Rochelle, he talked about this years and years ago before it was ever a book, and I've found this to be very helpful. I, I want to give you three questions that you can ask yourself. If you really want to know if there is anything offensive in you, here's three little system checks you can run through. And here they are. Has anyone you trust expressed concern? Is there anyone that you love and trust who has shown concern for something in your life? Anybody you trust and love who has said, uh, hey, I've uh, seen some of your pictures on social media. You're going through something interesting, aren't you? Uh, hey, I saw that you've been drinking a lot. Um, hey, man, I, I saw your post uh, pretty dark. Um, something going on, you know? Uh, hey, man, I've been seeing you around, and you just, you don't, you're not yourself. You're not eating. It looks like you've lost weight. I'm concerned. How many times when somebody shows concern for us, we go, don't judge me. Stay out of my life. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, they just, uh, look, man, I'm telling you, if one or two people who, you, who love you show concern for you, you might want to give some attention to that area of your life. Because it may be God speaking through them, saying, what in the world is going on? Second question is this, what have I rationalized for some time? Is there anything in your life that people have shown concern for, that people have said you might not want to do that, but you've rationalized it anyway. You've said, well, the reason I'm doing it is, well, it's just a treat. Well, it's the weekend. Well, look, I've worked really, really hard, and I deserve. Well, look, I mean, if she would just a little bit more, I wouldn't have to. What in your life that may be offensive, that may be sinful, that may be evil? Have you rationalized that you had to come to the point where you've had to make an excuse up for it? If there's anything in your life that you've had to rationalize or make an excuse for, chances are you might want to pay some attention to that area of your life. And the third question is, where am I most defensive? If somebody does bring it up, and you have to make an excuse for it, and you have to get defensive, you have to come to the point, well, man, I tell you what, I can't believe they, and they, they defriended me on Facebook. I don't know why they don't want to see me doing all this stuff. And I mean, I don't know why they're always on my case. My mom and dad just keep on calling me and saying they're concerned. I just think that the moment you have to switch over to defense, you might have a sign that you need to pay attention to that area of your life. Because here's the thing. Somebody is trying to help you before the car gets in a wreck. 
Somebody is trying to help you. Because just like the book of James tells us, the, the brother of Jesus, there's a part of James that I've always held near and dear to my heart. James talks about there's some people who just won't learn until they run into a brick wall. And the thing is, is that these people and God through those people are trying to help you before you make a wreck of your life. Before you do something that can't be undone. And so if there is anyone who's expressing concern for you, and you're having to rationalize it, and you're becoming defensive about it, and you're having to reach out to other people to get them on your side, to plead your case to, so that the jury is in your, in your favor, then you really might be deceiving your own heart. And that area of your life might need some attention. And David, he was so concerned about the condition of his heart, so worried about what God would bring up one day, he stops and he prays this prayer, God, God, if there's anything wrong with my heart, if I am fearful, if I am anxious, if there's any offensive way in me, would you deal with it? And then he says, lastly, he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I'm not excusing this. I'm not making up excuses. I'm not being defensive about it. I can feel in my heart this anger grow. I can feel my heart change and want revenge. The hatred inside of me is growing. God, would you check my heart? And would you please, if there's anything in me, lead me in the way everlasting. You know, E.E. Uh, e. Cummings, he had a quote that I really love. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. I find as a pastor that many adults come to this point after college and after they kind of become independent where they think that they've stopped growing, where they think that they're, not, they're, they're, they're unchangeable. I hear a lot of people in our culture say, well, that, that's just who I am. That's just what I do. I mean, that's me, man. Like it or love it, take it or leave it. This is who I am. And we think that the condition of the heart, who we are, the habits we have, they're not going to change. This is who we are. This is who we grow, grew into, and we're done growing. And I love this quote because it really tells a tale. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of humility to be willing to stop and think, maybe I haven't grown up as much as I think I have. Maybe there's still room for improvement. Maybe there are some changes in my life that need to be made. And he says the person who is willing to face themselves in the mirror and find the weak points, find the flaws, find the missing pieces, the person who is willing and has the courage to do that, that is the type of person who becomes who they really are. And for you and I, when God made us, when God formed us, when he created us, we were born into a broken world with original sin that made us naturally selfish. But through Christ, he has given us the opportunity and he has given us the spirit in our hearts to look at ourselves in the mirror 
and be provided with what is missing. He has given us the opportunity through a relationship with Christ to be transformed and changed, not by our own strength, not by our own well-doing, not by our own self-improvement, but through a relationship with Christ, we can be changed from the inside out and any condition that is naturally there can be made new. I believe that. I pray that for myself. That the things that are inside of me that I don't like, the thorns that are in my side, much like Paul, I pray dangerous prayers. I pray bold prayers that God would replace them with what is Jesus like. So that at the end of my life, even though I won't be perfect, I could be as close to the image of Christ that I possibly could be. It takes a lot of courage for somebody to be willing to go through that journey. And it's not a short road. It's not a revival service. It's not one prayer, one and done. It's a journey. It's about growing. It's why our mission here at Anchored Hope Church is to uh, lead people to a growing, growing relationship with Jesus because we don't ever think it's ever done. No matter what age or what season of life you may be in, we are never done growing in Christ. And for us to stop and to pray the same prayer would be dangerous. Think if every single one of us, in the midst of where we are in our own life, in the midst of the chapter we're in, if we stopped and we prayed this prayer, God, search my heart. If there is any anxious thought in me, would you handle it? If there is any offensive way in me, Would you reveal it to me and would you lead me? Would you take me? Would you begin the journey with me of leading me away from this so that I can be more like your son, Jesus Christ? That is a dangerous prayer. That is a dangerous prayer that Satan would be willing to test. But the victory is worth it. The battle is worth it. And we could all grow into who God created us to be. Let me pray for you this morning. God, this morning as we look at the words of David, God, every single one of us, we we could stop right now and we could pray this dangerous prayer. God, search my heart. Search me, oh God. God, I pray that you would, if we're willing to pray this prayer, have a a look at our hearts would you look at the condition of our heart god if there is any fear or anxiety in me god would you please help me to trust you would you help me to grow in that area of my faith god i believe you could take my anxiety and my fear away But like Paul, who prayed it again and again and again, it may not. Maybe it's there to remind me to lean on you. I don't know what's going to happen with it. But I can pray boldly that you can do something about it. I can pray boldly that you can take anything and use it for your good. So God, would you help me to have faith and trust in you and not be dependent on myself? God, would you search me and if there is any offensive thing in me if there is any offensive way in me if there is anything 
that somebody has mentioned in my life, somebody has shown concern for in my life, if there's anything that I've had to rationalize, if there's anything I've become defensive about, God, would you, would you help me to come to you and have a conversation with about? Would you, would you, would you search me and, and, and reveal the truth to me? Is, is there something I need to change in my life? Is there something I need to get a handle on? Is there something that I need to repent of? God, I, I don't want to damage my relationship with you and I don't want to break the covenant that I have with you to love other people the way you've loved me so will you will you check me God as we spend these next few moments with you I pray that you would just search my heart connect me with you Lord and would every single one of us today begin a journey? Maybe something today is being revealed to us right now. Maybe there's something going on in us right now that we need to handle. That we need to open the door and allow you to come and take over and do what you do. God, if that's what we need, we give you permission right now. We give you permission to work. We give you permission to move. We, we give you permission to invade our lives and to do what you need to do. God, we thank you so much. And we pray that you would continue this throughout this week, whether it be in small group or, or with a friend or with our spouse. God, would we be able to continue to have these conversations? And would you continue to change us and renew us? In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to support Anchored Hope, you can make a donation at anchoredhope.church forward slash give. To connect with someone from Anchored Hope, please go to anchoredhope.church forward slash pi. Thank you for listening and God bless.